This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. Let's begin by closing our eyes and imagining us playing a game. Shocker, it's going to be Pokemon, but, but, but hold up, we're going to change it slightly to a different Pokemon game. It's not your standard trainer adventure. No, 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 we're going to play a game that's even more popular than that, surprisingly enough, and one that you've probably heard of. Let's play Pokemon Go. So you grab your phone, you walk outside. Unlike all of the other examples I've given in the past, this one is more likely to be based in reality. You walk outside and start playing the game. It's as simple as pulling the app up on your phone, walking out, enjoying your walk, catching Pokemon, spinning those Pokestops, fighting in gyms or raids, and continuing to do so. And you think to yourself, well... I've put in this much time, we're very close to a near accomplishment, maybe you're leveling up, maybe your bag's about to get full, maybe there's just one Pokemon you know that's down the road, so let's just walk over there, grab that, and continue going from there. And then once you get there, well maybe we should try going for the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Because what if that rare Pokemon that's there, suppose that there's a legendary that's just one more task away, why don't we go for that? Let's just keep going a little bit further. I mean, after all, there's been so much energy put into this already. We've been walking for 15, 20 minutes. We can do an extra five minutes, right? It's not that big of a deal. Or think of a different example, an example where you've got this very powerful Pokemon. Think of a high CP Pokemon. So a Pokemon that it's going to require a lot more resources than just tossing the Pokeball out there. Perhaps you've got to use those stash of Ultra Balls, using all of those various berries to make it easier to catch and you've used a few, and it hasn't worked, maybe you've gotten a couple of bad throws, but you've gone this far already. Let's just use that last Ultra Ball. And, and, and maybe this time, instead of using a regular Raspberry, let's use the Golden Raspberry to make it that much more likely that we'll catch this Pokemon. We've already used these resources, why don't we use a little bit more? This is a very, very powerful concept. The concept of behavioral economics of the sunk cost fallacy a concept that's been around much more than you might be thinking. It's not just isolated into the Pokemon Go universe. No, no, no. In fact, every time you've made a decision, whether realizing it or not, you're applying the sunk cost fallacy. Hello everyone, welcome to Pokenomics. I am your host, Anaru himself, here on the Pika Science Podcast feed. This topic, in fact, and I want to shout out the Discord user that brought this idea up. By the way, if you have ideas for random Pokonomics concepts that you'd like to see on this show, go ahead and toss it our way. We're taking requests because uh, I like taking requests, and I find it more fun. So shout out to shout out to Nick from our Discord, who brought up the idea of talking about the sunk cost fallacy. And as a behavioral economist uh, in study, I suppose, not quite in profession, as a behavioral economist, studier person, I find this really, really fascinating because it is all about this idea of why people put resources and efforts towards things that they may not immediately get a benefit from. We're diving into a topic that affects decision-making more than we might realize. It's the sunk cost fallacy. So let's dive on in. Have you ever found yourself sticking to a failing project, a bad investment, or 
a doomed relationship just because you've put so much time or money or effort or energy into it. This is all about that sunk cost fallacy. And you might have noticed, not all of the things I mentioned there were economics in term. And yet, it's applied all over the place, because it's not just an economics thing. It's a psychology aspect as well. And again, for the 14th time, I think, in this episode, as a behavioral economist, combining those two things is exactly what I'm interested in. So what exactly is the sunk cost fallacy? Let's put a definition on it. The sunk cost fallacy is a cognitive bias that occurs when we continue investing in something because of the resources we've already committed, despite any sort of potential negative outcome. Usually this is used in a negative connotation, so we're going to apply it in that term. So despite the increasingly negative outcomes that can occur from continuously putting resources towards us. In other words, we let past investments influence our decisions instead of objectively evaluating the current situation. Let's consider a real-life example here. Now, we're going to scale this down a little bit to be not as serious as some of the examples mentioned in the past. So, imagine you've spent hours waiting in the long line to watch a movie, only to find out, maybe by somebody else in the line, somebody else walking out, that movie is terrible. It's garbage. The actors aren't good, the trailer wasn't real, the film is overpriced, or not good, or whatever reason it is, it's not good. Now you face a choice. You're still in line right now. You've been in line, let's say, for half an hour. I suppose it's like an opening day event where everybody's standing in line. You face a choice here. Do you stay and watch the movie to get your money's worth, whether you're in the line or actually gone into the theater already, or do you leave to salvage your time? Say it's a two-hour film and you're already in. You've watched about half an hour of it. You find out the movie's terrible. You hear it from over the grapevine, whatever works for you. Do you leave? Because if you leave, you save the hour and a half that you would have been spending for the movie, but you've already spent the $15, $20, $25 to get the ticket and the popcorn and all that fun stuff. The rational decision-making would suggest, if you don't like it, leave. But the sunk cost fallacy might make you stay, thinking, well, I've already invested so much time. I was in line. I paid the money. I got my snacks. I stood for the first half hour of the film. I can't leave now. That's what the sunk cost fallacy is. It's deeply rooted in psychology, where the idea that humans tend to avoid losses is basically exploited by yourself. You feel a sense of attachment to what you've invested in. An emotional connection is developed that clouds your judgment. Psychologically, it's really challenging to let go of something we've invested heavily in, even in, and sometimes especially if, it's not in our best interest. Now, this is an economics show, so let's actually shift this towards economics and explore how that sunk cost fallacy impacts businesses and economics. Now, companies might persist with failing projects, again, looking at this from a big scale. They might continue to invest in these failing projects or investments because they've already poured significant resources into them. This can, of course, lead to big financial losses and missing opportunities and another door because you've been constantly going through one path. Knowing when to cut losses and move on is crucial for those long-term successes. Now, the good news is, is that recognizing the sunk cost fallacy is actually the first step to overcoming it, like so many other things. We have to shift our focus from the past investments that are already made, decisions that have already been completed and that we're living through the outcomes of those, shifting from those towards future outcomes. Just because we've invested a lot of time or money or energy towards a decision doesn't guarantee success. If you evaluate current and future prospects objectively, based on the information you have and the decisions you can make going forward, 
you can actually make better decisions. Now, we've talked all about this. It's economics. It's real-world stuff. Where does this apply in Pokemon? Well, we've talked already about Pokemon Go, and that's a really basic example of I'm effectively playing this game, and there are little decisions here and there that keep me in the game. Now, some of this is psychologically built on purpose to make sure that you keep playing the game because, of course, the best thing for a business to do is to keep you invested in that business. That's why the YouTube algorithm exists. That's why, actually, in fact, on all social medias, the algorithm exists and is designed so that it keeps you in. Whether it's because you've put so much time into the specific social media, whether it's a video or your feed, that you're almost at the top or almost at the bottom, almost complete with the feed, and then I can finish. Sometimes it's designed like that on purpose. Other times it's more of just you designing it for yourself that way, right? Nothing's really stopping you from running away from a wild encounter. But if you've already tried to throw a Pokeball, well, now I, I put in that Pokeball. That's, if it's the main series game, 200 Poke. If it's the Pokemon Go franchise, that's a, you know, a spin or a gift that was given. And that's time and energy and resources I put in. I might as well see this encounter out. And that's more built from your own perspective. In the Pokemon universe, you can see this all the time. Again, like we've mentioned, if you're a trainer, you've already bought some of these resources. If you find that Pokemon that you wanted to capture and they don't get in on the first encounter, you could honestly argue, for example, let's take the quick ball strategy. Throw a quick ball. If it doesn't work, run away and go find another one. Because mathematically speaking, the quick ball is one of the best Pokeballs out there able to catch any Pokemon on the first turn of the battle, the fastest thing to do might be to just start chucking quick balls and running away from encounters. But sometimes, if you've put in a lot of energy towards a specific Pokemon, I've already thrown the quick ball. In most games that cost a thousand Poke, I might as well see this specific encounter out. That's what the sunk cost fallacy is. It's, it's falling into a trap that affects decision-making and various other aspects of our lives. I've actually dropped in the description of this video, you can see it, a link to an Inven Global article that talks about decision-making and this topic of how behavioral economics impacts Pokemon Go, for example, and a couple of different facts that are in this article that are really interesting. On average, we make 6,200 more decisions than we blink on an average day. It's only natural that judgment is prone to error and irrational thinking, especially when we have such limited amount of information. Social games like Pokemon Go have these frame effects, which are designed to incentivize you to take a little bit of risk and accept it when you're facing small gains, but shy away when facing small losses. It's that same irrational nature and limited experiences that lead us to bounce back and forth. A perfect example Sometimes, with a lot of people, you can kind of judge how risky somebody is by asking them a relatively simple question. Are you willing to flip a coin? Heads, you get a dollar. Tails, you lose a dollar. Now, mathematically speaking, that is equal, right? If you flip it and get heads, flip it and get tails, it's the same dollar value, and the coin, theoretically, is a 50-50 chance. So on average, you shouldn't gain anything. It's a risk-neutral opportunity. And yet, some people shy away from it. Those are the risk-averse individuals that don't want to take it because in their mind, whether thinking about it mathematically or simply by nature, they don't want to take those risky chances. 
because they're more risk averse. Other people dive into those things. Despite it being a neutral opportunity, they're diving into it because they are risk prone, supposedly. The article talks a lot more about the sunk cost fallacy, the endowment effect, uh, and other behavioral economics theories that help understand why Pokemon Go is as successful as it is. And these sort of concepts can also be applied towards various other real-world examples as well. So, with that in mind, let's jump back into our example. Unlike most of the other examples we've done, a real-world example. And it might be one you're doing right now as you're listening to this episode. So as you're walking down the street, playing Pokemon Go, you find a Snorlax. It's one of those powerful ones. I'm totally not using this as an example because I saw this this morning. Think to yourself. Do you think you have a shot at really capturing this Pokemon? Are you still going for it because you really want this specific Snorlax? Or is it the sunk cost fallacy that's actually pushing you and guiding you towards this specific encounter? And the most important question I think to ask about this, is it really all that bad? Like I mentioned, sometimes the sunk cost fallacy isn't always about a negative decision or a negative choice that you're making. Sometimes it's just designed to keep you invested into things. And it's a design that you and your brain and yourself have developed. Various people have various different points of no return, I suppose, when it comes to the sunk cost fallacy. And you've designed that over your years and years of experience. So ultimately, as long as the decisions that you're making aren't major, right, this is just Pokemon Go, keep trying for it. Who knows? Maybe that next Pokeball is the one that you need to finally capture that Pokemon that just for some reason doesn't want to join your team. Thank you. Until next time, take care.